Scott Walker here on our weekly podcast, Freedom Fighters. Thanks so much for joining us. As you can imagine, here we are in December. Feels like it weather-wise in many parts of the United States. Uh, I'm in uh, YAV headquarters today in Reston, Virginia. But last week, I was out in uh, Santa Barbara, excuse me, Santa Barbara, California, where it was a little bit warmer. And uh, for Thanksgiving, uh, back in Wisconsin with family. Uh, but uh, one of the things I hear all over the place is about elections. And one of the things I hope we can all agree on is that fair elections require legitimacy and transparency. Regardless of the outcome of the presidential election, we need reform in the voting system. There's no doubt about it. So here's a couple ideas. First, every state and jurisdiction must require some form of photo identification for people to vote. Years ago, when I was governor in Wisconsin, I signed a requirement to do just that, photo ID. Real simple, state-issued driver's license or state-issued identif identification card. We even included language that provided those state identification cards with proper documentation for free at any division of motor vehicle offices. So DMV offices all across the state bring in your proper identification um, and you can get a state-issued driver's license or in the case of people not driving, a state-issued identification card that can in turn be used when they go to vote. Now, opponents at the time claimed that the law would be a barrier to voting. Yet, Wisconsin continues to have some of the highest voter turnout in the entire nation. So to ensure the integrity of the vote, my simple opinion is this, Every state should have a law requiring photo ID to vote. That's issue number one. Secondly, in addition to a voter identification system, states must pass laws to provide for greater verification of legitimacy of each voter. That should include things like sending notices to people who have not voted at a specific address in some time and then removing their names from the voting list if they fail to respond within a reasonable time limit. We did that in Wisconsin as well. In fact, we had to go through some court challenges on it. But the bottom line is if people have moved and haven't taken their name off the voting list, why would we want them uh, on the list when they've either moved somewhere else or decided not to vote at that location? Uh, particularly in a state like Wisconsin where there's same-day voter registration, there's no way of disenfranchising people. Instead, it's just about cleaning up the list uh, to make sure that those names aren't used by people who aren't actually living at those addresses. Third, we need to ensure that every jurisdiction follows the election laws in each state. The president's legal team offers, I think, some legitimate claims state by state. And in particular, I saw it in a state like mine. They talked in particular in Wisconsin about absentee ballots. One of the things was it was clear that some voters failed to fill in their addresses on the envelopes for absentee ballots in Wisconsin. Now, the state law clearly states that each voter must fill in their address on the envelope for the ballot inside to be valid. There is substantial evidence that some of the envelopes received at local voting locations indeed did not include addresses filled in by the voter. State law also requires people requesting absentee ballots to do so in a written form, to provide a written request for an absentee ballot. Again, there's evidence that some voters did not request their absentee ballot in the proper form under the law. Now, some of the dispute comes about the fact that state elections officials and local election officials uh, didn't uh, interpret the law that way or just may have ignored it, uh, and therefore voters didn't know that. But the law is clear when you look at, at the statutes and the rules. 
There's also serious questions about the clerks, the county clerks in Milwaukee and Dane counties, telling voters to claim that they were, quote, indefinitely confined, unquote. They told them to claim that they were indefinitely confined because of coronavirus, so they could cast a ballot without providing photo identification. Under state law, though, indefinitely confined is supposed to be for voters in places like nursing homes. Now, they didn't just do this. They did this very publicly. The problem in, in these, each of these scenarios, not just the indefinitely confined, but, but others, is that there's no practical uh, legal remedy for the ballots having been cast. So, as I said, it's, I think it's indisputable that there were cases where people didn't fill in their address and somebody else did uh, on the ballot. Uh, the absentee ballot envelope. There's clearly cases where absentee ballots were given to people who did not ask for them in a written form. And without a doubt, we know about these pushes publicly by the county clerks in the state's two largest counties in Wisconsin to tell voters to claim that they were indefinitely confined because of coronavirus so that they could actually get an absentee ballot without providing photo identification. The problem, as I said, though, is what's the practical legal remedy? In Wisconsin, the absentee ballots are taken out of the envelope. So when you vote absentee, I've done that before. Tonette's done that. My wife, my, my adult children have done that. My mother's done that. When you get, you make a request, unlike California or now Nevada or other places where they just mail you ballots. In Wisconsin, if you want to vote by absentee, you still have to make that request. You make the request, and then the election official sends you an absentee ballot in an envelope. They mail it to you, and inside there's an envelope to mail it back in, and then there's the actual ballot. The ballot itself is the same ballot uh, that you would uh, fill out uh, even if you were at the uh, polling place on the election day. The only difference is you fill it out, you put it in the envelope, you've got to have a witness seeing you fill out the ballot. Uh, You seal the envelope, and then you put your name, uh, your address, and your signature on the front, and then... Your witness, the person witnessing you doing that, has to do the same. The problem is, at least in Wisconsin, once the absentee ballots are taken out of the envelope and then they're placed in the uh, voting machine, there's no way to retrieve them. It's like spitting in the ocean. How are you going to separate those that were cast absentee and then in particular, those who were cast by absentee ballot in the fashion that appears to have violated the law, uh, as I specified in those three instances? Once cast, there's no way to retrieve it. In order to take any order by a court to take a random number of ballots out of the count would, I think, there'd be a convincing argument, could actually disenfranchise people who legally voted in person on the day of the election. Or who voted absentee, but did so by asking for an absentee ballot in writing and filling in all the proper information, including their address, and who didn't claim to be indefinitely confined. So the problem there uh, is that if you, the only way, the only remedy, uh, a state court or even the Supreme Court in Wisconsin could try to remedy the situation is to pick the number, whatever the number is, say it's 200 some thousand ballots, which is uh, what the president's team has uh, alleged that it's somewhere in that ballpark. How do you take those out without taking away ballots that might have been cast by someone who completely legally, either in person on the day of the election 
or in advance with an absentee ballot, followed all the rules, followed all the laws. There's no way to distinguish once the ballots have been removed from that envelope. And therein lies the problem of whether or not ballots were, were cast legally is a legitimate concern, I think. But how do you resolve it? Uh, almost an impossible task. So looking ahead, election laws have to be enforced um, we talk about what to do going forward. They have to be enforced uh, while voting takes place or in advance. State and local governments must put resources into improving the integrity of elections. And that starts with the enforcing the laws. Now, it's also important to know that I believe that, that states need to affirm same-day voting requirements and limit limit if not outright, a, 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 just eliminate, at least a limit on absentee voting to legitimate cases of people being truly confined to places like nursing homes. And that's what I think most people thought, at least it was when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, we actually went in with my parents to a voting booth where the curtain was pulled back. And as a kid, you were able to go in there with your parents. Absentee ballots were really only for people who were in nursing homes where they physically couldn't get out to go vote. Or, as we've seen in the past, uh, well, a couple of decades, people who were deployed as part of our military service, certainly those who are not able to return home because the military should be granted the ability to vote absentee. And now, even in these cases, there, there must be a way to confirm that the individual voter is identified and that that voter, particularly those in nursing homes, are able to make independent decisions about voting. Far too often in the past, we heard discussions of, of people coming in to provide assistance who were helping people cast votes who really didn't know exactly what was going on. We need to make sure that people are voting on the day of the election and that we limit whatever absentee ballots there are, that those ballots should be cast by people who are legitimately confined to places like nursing homes or are deployed overseas, possibly because of the military. According to Pew Research Center, of only about a quarter of the 166 countries that were surveyed, and this was the survey that was done before the coronavirus pandemic, so some of them uh, may have made adjustments since then, but prior to the pandemic globally, only about a quarter of the countries around the world that were surveyed actually used postal ballots in their national elections. The rest voted on election day. Similarly, the report shows that 209 of the 222, uh, 227 countries for which there was what was called an ACE electoral knowledge network, uh, they have data that says that 209 of the 20, 227 countries, so almost all, cast their votes by manually marked ballots. With this in mind, it makes sense that we should consider joining just about the rest of the countries in the world and vote in person with paper ballots. Without a doubt, this would be a major step, a major step in restoring integrity to the electoral process. Now, I want to be clear, though, as, as much as we talk about this being a problem across the country, the solution, the solution must be done and administered by the states and local governments, not by the federal government. There's going to be an incredible temptation by politicians in Washington to pass election law reform. But I would argue that should be left to the states. In particular, they could do it in a, in a rather easy fashion. An interstate compact, I think, is the best way to deal with election reforms. If a series of states passed identical laws, it would put incredible pressure on the other states to do the same thing. Now, I personally think the law should include requiring a photo ID to vote. 
They should include other identification reforms, stiffer requirements to enforce the laws that are already on the books, same-day voting requirements with paper ballots, and strict limits on any other form of voting that would be considered absentee, any other voting for people confined to places like nursing homes or deployed in the military. That, to me, I think would bring incredible integrity back to the voting system here in the United States. And one final note. Election officials at the local, county, and state levels should be encouraged to conduct their business in the most transparent fashion possible. You want to do that to ensure confidence in the system of voting in this country. I don't know about you, but it was far, far uh, disturbing to me to see scenes of windows being covered and entrances being blocked uh, when we were looking in places like Philadelphia and Detroit and others around the country. Those scenes only further concerns about the process. Even if what they were doing inside was legitimate, why in the world, particularly in such a contentious election, would you be preventing the public and the media from seeing what was going on inside? Beyond just that, by keeping the literal and, and, and uh, both literally and figuratively keeping transparency in the process, to me it's real simple on a practical basis, ward by ward, jurisdiction by jurisdiction, if votes are not fully tabulated on election night by a reasonable hour, just stop the counting. Stop counting the ballots at that point, secure the ballots. In some cases, it might mean literally securing it with some form of law enforcement, the sheriff's department, local police, secure the ballots, and then wait until the start of the next business day at hours that are reasonable uh, to resume the count. Again, we saw too many examples across the country, particularly in some of our larger cities, where counts were conducted, or, or worse yet, in some cases, where they actually told people they were going home or they were stopping the count, and then suddenly resumed them in the middle of the night, sometimes at two or three in the morning, and suddenly there was a major adjustment in the numbers tabulated in those wards and jurisdictions on the following day. Again, to ensure the integrity, to ensure the integrity and transparency of the system, why not get to a certain point where you stop the voting if it's past a reasonable hour, you secure the votes uh, to make sure that nobody messes with them, certainly can involve law enforcement, and then bring people back at a reasonable hour at the start of the next business day to resume the count. These to me are just common sense solutions, and there are things that people might say are reaction to this last election, but we're always reacting to elections. I remember back 20 years ago after the infamous smokes for votes issue uh, in the city of Milwaukee in the state of Wisconsin, uh, all the attention eventually ended up focusing on the state of Florida and what happened with the recount there. But there were big issues in, in close races in places like Wisconsin, Oregon, New Mexico, and Iowa. In the end, uh, they decided to put all their attention on Florida uh, because the recount, which went till about this time, in fact, I think Al Gore didn't finally concede until about the second week of December. But at the time, I remember drawing attention to the infamous smokes for votes. Again, the, the margin was incredibly close. Uh, Wisconsin was the closest blue state in America in the 2000 election between Gore and Bush. And the reason we talked about smokes for votes was there was actually, we caught her on tape. There was a woman from New York City who had come to the city of, Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. 
the reason we caught her on tape was she was outside of City Hall, Milwaukee, handing out cigarettes, uh, cartons of cigarettes uh, to what we later found out were homeless citizens uh, from Milwaukee, just outside of City Hall. We also found out later that they had been inside voting for Al Gore. And it just so happened that the one of the photojournalists from the ABC affiliate, Channel 12 in Milwaukee, was getting out. He was just going to do a routine story on early voting. And he happened to notice all these people coming out to these big vans and these big boxes full of, of uh, cartons of cigarettes were being handed out to people and thought it was odd. And so wisely, instead of picking the camera up and putting it on his shoulder, he turned it on on the ground where he was getting it out of his vehicle and just tipped it up and, and videotaped uh, what was going on. We later found out, I went around and at the time I was a member of the state legislature, I went around to a number of the homeless shelters in the city of Milwaukee and found that this woman, amazingly, signed in to these places, these shelters with her own name. She was on security camera in a number of these places and recruited people who were homeless to come down to City Hall and vote early uh, in person there for Al Gore. She was later charged uh, because you can't offer something uh, over dollars, uh, more than a dollar's worth uh, of something for uh, for someone's vote in the state of Wisconsin. So finally, the district attorney in the Milwaukee County uh, ended up charging her. It didn't end up in the much, but, but it was interesting, just all the focus and attention on that. And after that, as a member of the state legislature, for the first time, I offered legislation requiring photo identification to vote uh, because many of the people didn't have a claimed address. And there were many other issues, not just with this specific example, uh, but there were a number of other concerns raised about people who were voting who may not have been living uh, at an actual address or or were not someone who had uh, was eligible to vote and didn't have proper identification. That went nowhere early on when I offered it, uh, but eventually it was uh, passed by both houses of state legislature, and I was proud as the 45th governor to sign that law, that piece of legislation into law, uh, and over time a number of states have done that, but to me that alone is not enough. Uh, I, I think it's important not only in my state of Wisconsin, but across the country, if we're going to have um, integrity when it comes to the voting process, and we need to have a system where we have transparency and where we have legitimacy. Uh, and that only comes if you have not only photo ID, but other ways to confirm the identity of those individuals. I think it's incredibly important to do what surprising to many people, most of the rest of the countries in the world do, and that is vote on the day of the election, not in advance, but vote on the day of the election, a vote with a paper ballot, limit any sort of absentee ballots to people who are voting overseas because they're deployed in the military or to people who might be in a place like a nursing home who physically can't get out. But even then, be very clear whether it's through an affidavit or some other means of, of checking and verifying that information. Uh, do so in a way that ensures that every single person voting is a legitimate and eligible voter in that jurisdiction and that it's a completely transparent process. If you want people to have um, legitimacy to the, the voting process, if they want to feel that the process itself was legitimate, there's got to be integrity in the system, and there's got to be transparency in the system. Now, until next time, we're gonna, I urge you to keep fighting for freedom. I'm Scott Walker. Have a great weekend.